So I checked when the last time I released an episode was and turns out it was three months ago. So I'm sorry about that. I've been pretty busy in the past couple months because school's restarted and I'm starting a new school because I'm starting college. So a lot of stuff's been happening, but trust me, I do still love recording podcast episodes and stuff. I just haven't had the time yet because I used my microphone from at home which I don't bring to the college where I board at. So it's been pretty difficult to record those kind of audio stuff. I've been filming YouTube videos, though, if you want to go check that out at Artsy Joey on YouTube, a little plug for you. But I also checked onto my Anchor, which I use to upload these episodes, and turns out I can access my Spotify rap, and turns out people listen to this podcast from 11 different countries which is really cool because I didn't expect that. I really only expected like a couple of my friends from like the UK to be listening in and maybe some people from, I don't know, like India because yeah, I'm a brown girl from India. So maybe some relatives, but yeah. So 60% is from the UK, but then the next is America and I don't know many people from America. So that's really cool. And then I think it's like Qatar, which is crazy. And then it's the United Arab Emirates, which is also crazy. And then it's India, Ireland, Canada, and then a couple of them which are less than 1%, but there's a lot of them. So that's really cool. Thanks for listening, even though I've been so inactive in the past couple months. Yeah, so I'm planning for this to be the last episode of the season, because yes, I have been planning in seasons, because next year I'm planning something that I'm really excited about that I really can't wait for you all to hear but until then I guess it's the last episode of both 2020 the crazy year that we've been living through and of the season season one we've completed a season of eight episodes that's really crazy but that's really cool so let's just get on with it Originally this episode was going to be about different Christmas traditions and why we celebrate them and where these traditions come from. But then I realised I know quite a lot about Christmas and I expect a lot of other people listening know a lot about Christmas too. Either because we were brought up in a Christian country and environment or because of pop culture and movies and Christmas songs and stuff. So I thought why not dive into other religious and cultural celebrations that happen around this time of year because that's fun and we need to learn more about different people as well. This episode's going to be about loads of different religions and cultures and yeah it was really fun to research into because I honestly didn't know about quite a lot of these major religious and cultural festivals that I wish I knew about before. All of these festivals and celebrations happen between November and December or like late October to December depending on what calendar each celebration follows. So I'm going to start with the one that happens the earliest to the one that happens right at the end of December and even the beginning of January but we're not going to talk about that. I mean we are but you know. Oh yeah heads up I'd just like to apologise in advance 
that my pronunciation is gonna be so trash but just bear with it and maybe like dm me on instagram at auntie joey little plug in again if i said anything wrong and i'll correct myself next time maybe depending if i remember yes yeah, so sorry about my pronunciation in advance so first up we have diwali and i know what you're gonna say joey diwali can happen in october and i know but it can also happen in november but that's the starting of this little holiday season and diwali comes from the word deepavali which means rose of lit lamps and it's the festival of lights and i'm sure you've seen the little clay lamps lit up with candles sometime or another so yeah, it's supposed to happen in late October, early November, but it happened late in 2020. The cool thing about this festival is that it's celebrated by so many different religions. So it's celebrated by Hindus because Lord Rama returned back to his home after 14 years of exile, after defeating King Ravan and rescuing his wife Sita. It's also celebrated by Sikhs because Guru Hargobind returned to Amritsar's Golden Temple. I can't read my own handwriting, I'm so sorry. Ooh, and it started raining too, so I'm sorry if you can hear that. Jains celebrate Diwali because of the spiritual awakening of Lord Mahavira, and some Buddhists celebrate Diwali because of the Emperor Ashunka's life decision to follow the peaceful and Buddhist path of life. But even people who don't really believe in religions or are part of different religions may follow Diwali too, and it's just a big festival of lightness overpowering the dark and evil. So one of the main traditions in Diwali that most people know about is the clay lit lamps that are put outside doors or in houses or on the streets. And this in Hinduism symbolises knowledge and consciousness and they lit up the path for Ram and Sita as they went back home. And usually these lamps are a metaphor for light overpowering darkness and evil and also spiritual enlightenment. And of course there are other major traditions in Diwali like most Indian celebrations which I love. There's a lot of food and sweets. And there are also rangolis on the floor, which if you don't know, they're the paintings or the little artworks made on the floor with rice and flowers or just paint and they're very pretty. But I won't go into those ones because we have got so many more celebrations to talk about. But yeah, that's the first one, Diwali. And the main tradition is lamp, symbolising goodness overpowering the badness also known as evil, I don't know why I said badness. Next up we have Guy Fawkes, also known as Bonfire Night, and I completely forgot that England's the only country that celebrates Guy Fawkes. I mean it's not like a massive celebration but you know what it is because of the rhyme remember remember the 5th of November and also because each year there's always a lot of fireworks that you can spot from your window one way or another. So if you didn't know Guy Fawkes was this guy who was this guy who was found in the basement of parliament on the 5th of november 1605 and him and some buddies were trying to blow up parliament and king james because the parliament were being very very strict to those kind of catholics well any catholics back then so yeah everything was a bit tense and even though on guy fawkes night we tend to think that he was burnt on a bonfire very nice image 
through there. I'm just saying the next imagery is even worse. He was actually hanged, drawn and quartered. And I know some of you say as hung, that's wrong. When someone is being hanged, it's hanged, not hung. And then after the person is almost dead, they take them off and then they draw them, which is when the body's being stretched and they're still alive. Isn't that gross? I think then they die, I think. Yeah, and then quartered is when the body's quartered and sent off to different places to remind people to not commit treason. So on Guy Fawkes night, even though this is a very weird celebration to celebrate, but it was originally decreed by King James to be celebrated every 5th of November to remind people to not commit treason. King James said that every 5th of November people had to have a bonfire, but nowadays we tend to just have a bonfire and a lot of fireworks and sometimes like cupcakes and stuff. And it's quite a nice night, even though it's weird where that comes from. And I mean, it was 1605, which is quite a long time ago but for traditions it isn't that long ago. The weirdest tradition from Bonfire Night is that we make a fake version of Guy Fawkes out of like old t-shirts and socks and sticks and stuff and we throw him on the fire. Isn't that really weird? It's really weird now that I think about it. No, I always find it really weird and strange and I bet people who don't live in the UK or who aren't from the UK think this is very strange and I agree. So that was a quick one, but yeah, that's what fireworks night is or bonfire night or Guy Fawkes, we call it different things. But yeah, it's quite the strange. Now we have Armistice Day and this is remembered throughout the world because it commemorates the people who fought and lost their lives in World War One in 1918. In England, I don't know so much about the rest of the world. We commemorate this day with poppies and that's because in 1915, John McRae wrote a poem called In Flanders Fields the Poppies Grow, which a lot of us are familiar with. And this was written after he witnessed the devastation of World War One. But then after, he noticed that poppies grew in the battlefields where all the soldiers died and all the war had gone ahead. In 1921, the British Legion used this poem and they sold fake poppies to raise money for veterans so that veterans could have a better life after war. Also, Armistice Day is commemorated by a moment of silence at 11 on the 11th of the 11th and this remembers all the people who fought for the betterment of the country. Next up we have Thanksgiving which we don't celebrate in England so I didn't know that much about it apart from the fact that you had to be thankful and there was food. I also don't really get why people celebrate it because we know how the pilgrims got their food for that first Thanksgiving and that's not very nice. But then again, it is a tradition and if it makes you think about what you're thankful for and you get to spend time with your family, so be it. Just remember how you got to that place. Also, I always got a bit confused when I was younger because the Thanksgiving meal is just a Christmas dinner in November. So the first thing and the only thing I have for Thanksgiving <laughs> is the turkey and the pilgrims who settled down in America in 1621 for their first Thanksgiving meal may not have actually eaten turkey so that's that's cool. 
not really because I still feel a bit icky about that. But in 1856, 235 years later, the Bradford's Journals, which I guess was a kind of newspaper, said that the colonists hunted turkeys. So a lot of people started eating turkeys for Thanksgiving, especially after Abraham Lincoln made Thanksgiving a national holiday in 1863, seven years later. Also, the good thing about eating turkey for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I guess, was that it was large enough to feed the whole family because a turkey is a big bird. If you've ever just seen a turkey running around, it's pretty big. And it didn't produce anything else like milk or eggs that people could eat or farm for. So it could only be eaten for meat. Also, they're uniquely American birds. So for Christmas dinners, the turkey was brought to England or wherever else you eat turkey for Christmas. Oh, I do have another one for Thanksgiving, and that's eggnog. I literally didn't know what eggnog was till like maybe like five years ago. And yeah, it's a type of posset, which was a drink in the Middle Ages for colds and flus. And it's a mix of hot milk, wine or ale, spices, and sometimes egg. That's fun. But also not. I keep just thinking about the poor Native Americans. So maybe Thanksgiving next year, meet up with your family and friends if it's safe and all of this is over and be thankful to what you've got and what you have but also remember how you got there and all the people who are maybe having a hard time because of the oppression that they're under and maybe even try out some Native American meals that aren't like sacred that you can actually try as someone who's not a Native American because you know, there's always time to add new traditions into your life that can spice it up a little bit, putting you more into the festive spirit. Now we're on to Hanukkah. I don't know why I said that so poshly. And I was quite surprised with myself because half of my religious studies, ethics and philosophy GCSE was Judaism and I still didn't know what Hanukkah was. Like, isn't that kind of crazy? We're not taught it, even though it's a very widely celebrated tradition and I just had no idea about it till actually like now. I knew a little bit about what it was about, but I didn't really know that much. So this was really fun to learn more about. So Hanukkah is a celebration that remembers when King Antiochus attacked Jews saying that they should worship only Greek gods and not their own god. And they raided the Jerusalem temple, which is very sacred and just shouldn't happen. And King Antiochus and his army killed many Jewish people and they stole the sacred lamp and threw away all the oils used to burn the flame that burned forever. Then the Maccabees heard about this, which were a family of Jewish people, and they defeated the Greeks and put a new sacred lamp on the altar. But the problem was they couldn't find any of the special oil used to burn the lamp. But after a while, they found this one small bottle of oil that would only last a day. But that oil managed to keep the sacred lamp burning for a very long time. A lot of Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah today with the remembrance and the symbol of the menorah, or also known as the Hanukkah because it has nine candle holders. And this symbolizes the sacred lamp that they put back on the altar that stayed lit. Another thing that I didn't know about from Hanukkah was 
the dreidel. I mean, I knew it existed and I knew how it looked and I knew the dreidel song somehow, but I didn't know how to play it. So the dreidel's kind of like a spinning dice and there are four sides. On one side, there is none, which means do nothing. On another side, there's gimel, which means take all the money. On another side, there is hay, which means take car. And on the other side, the last side, there is shin, which means give back. And this could either mean, depending on how your family plays the game, like any game, there are different versions. So it could mean give back one coin, two coins, or sometimes even three coins. So the game starts with each player having their own set of coins. And these can be either fake plastic ones or even chocolate ones, which is cool. So each player has their own pile of coins with an equal amount. And at the beginning, each player puts one coin into the middle. And player one, which is usually the youngest player, spins the dreidel and follows the rule on the dreidel. So either they do nothing, they take all the money, they take half, or they give back one, two or three coins. And then everyone puts another one of their coins into the middle and player two goes. And then that keeps going around and the game ends until someone gets all of the money or someone loses all of their money. The winner gets all of their chocolate coins or maybe if you're playing with plastic coins, you get a prize at the end. So that's really cool. I like that game. I like how they have their own specific game. I think that's all for Hanukkah, but it was really interesting to learn more about it. Then we have Bodhi Day. This celebrates the Buddha's awakening and spiritual enlightenment. And I don't know if this is actually true, but I got this off someone. <laughs> but I can't really find it in that many places, but I think it is sort of a tradition. I think some Buddhists decorate a tree to remember this day, like many other traditions that I will be going through in the rest of this podcast episode. But they get a tree and on the tree they put lights to reflect the different doorways to enlightenment because not everyone has the same path to reach their enlightened state. There can also be shiny ornaments which represent the three jewels of Buddhism, the Dharma, which are the teachings, the Buddha themselves, the fully enlightened one, and the Sangha, the monastic order of Buddhism, also known as the Buddhist people. And then finally, you place a small figurine of Buddha themselves under the tree, and this represents Buddha meditating under a tree to reach his full enlightened state, just like the first Bodhi Day. That's it for Bodhi Day, but that was also super fun to research because I didn't know that that celebration existed. I knew about Buddha's enlightenment and how they reached their full enlightened state, but I didn't know that there was a traditional celebrated festival. So that's really cool. And now we're on to Christmas, which for me is in two days, but when this episode's posted, probably one day or maybe even two days if I'm feeling spicy and might just release it today. It depends how good our Wi-Fi is because sometimes it can be a bit annoying. So for those of you who don't know, Christmas is celebrated by Christians because of the birth of Christ and let's give you like a literal one minute story of the nativity. So there's this girl called Mary and she's a virgin but she is pregnant with baby Jesus and an angel comes down and says, hey, you're gonna be pregnant with the son of God. And she's like, okay, cool. Let's go to Bethlehem because we need to go back for a census. So she went there with her to be wedded husband Joseph but they did get married so not to be wedded but yeah and then she had 
the child who was baby Jesus, who was the incarnation of God on earth in a manger, which is kind of like a stable and there were animals and it wasn't probably the best idea to have a kid there. Then there were three wise men and there were shepherds and yeah, and it basically foreshadows the death of Christ, which is Easter, where he died for all of Christian's sins. So, because I've already gone into all the nativity stuff, I'm going to skip the nativity figurine because that's kind of self-explanatory. And we've already talked about the Christmas dinner because of turkeys. So, let's talk about Christmas trees. Christmas trees, or evergreen trees, were used a lot throughout history, not just for Christianity, like ancient European Wicca followers used branches to decorate their houses for the winter solstice, which I'll be talking about later. Romans used fir trees to decorate their temple for Saturnalia, and although we are unsure about the first use of the Christmas tree for Christmas. We are pretty sure that the first uses of the Christmas tree might have been hung upside down on the ceiling. So like the log part of the tree would be on the ceiling or the roof, not the ceiling. And that's kind of mad because if you think about it, having this massive tree hanging upside down, don't know how they did that. Seems kind of like a hazard, but whatever floats your boat. And then a lot of other people use cherry or hawthorn trees in the hopes that it would flower on Christmas. And the people who couldn't afford to buy a tree would have wood pyramids and they would decorate it with paper, apples and candles. And this could have represented the paradise tree in the Garden of Eden, remembering the fall of humans and why humans need Christ to rescue them. There's a huge argument around the first documented use of the Christmas tree. And that's between, I'm so sorry, I can't read my own handwriting, so I'm sorry if I mess up these pronunciations. But Tallinn in Estonia in 1441 and Riga in Latvia in 1510. But they both say that it was put up by the Brotherhood of Blackheads. These were unmarried merchants, ship owners or foreigners in Livonia, which is now Estonia and Latvia. And it's said that people danced around the tree and burnt it like a yule log and I'll be talking more about yule logs. So the first person to bring the Christmas tree into the house may have actually been Martin Luther himself, the guy who translated the Bible from Latin to German and was one of the first reformers for Protestantism. At first in Germany Christmas trees were decorated with gingerbread and golden covered apples and originally baby Jesus would have been on the top but then that slowly got changed into angels or stars. In the UK the first documented account of the Christmas tree was by Queen Charlotte the German wife of George III in 1800. But then again, Queen Victoria and Albert made it quite famous to have a Christmas tree in your house. So many British people decided to have Christmas trees after that. Now let's talk about the different decorations put onto Christmas trees. So there's tinsel, and tinsel was originally from Germany, and they were strips of beaten silver. And there's also a cool legend tied into this, and it's from Eastern and Northern Europe, and it's said that when children go to sleep on Christmas Eve, there's this Christmas spider that covers the tree with cobwebs, which is 
a bit nasty but and when it's finally christmas these cobwebs turn magically into the colors of gold and silver and this could either be magically from saint nicholas himself or just from the sun then there are also baubles which are from 16th century Germany, from a town called Leuster, and they were originally from a guy called Hans Greiner, and this town was famous for glass blowing. So they were originally in the shape of fruits and nuts, but now obviously they're more in the shape of spheres. The last object of Christmas that I'll be talking about are Christmas crackers and I didn't realise that Christmas crackers were an English thing. I thought everyone who celebrated Christmas used Christmas crackers but turns out I was wrong. If you don't know what a Christmas cracker is it's like a tube and on both ends of the tube there are these little, I don't know how to describe them, like you know on the end of wrapped sweets there's the bit of the plastic that comes off of the main sweet. It's like that but made out of cardboard off of a cylinder and then there are two people and two people hold the cracker on both ends and they pull it and I think there's like a little bit of like gunpowder in it or something <laughs> don't worry it's not like dangerous but when you do that it cracks and there's like kind of like a crackly sparky sound and inside there's usually a joke or a Christmas fact, a paper crown, and a little Christmas gift, like an object. It's usually something like a tiny deck of cards, or like a bottle opener, or a hair clip, stuff like that, like small bits and bobs. And they were first made from around 1845 to 1850 by a London sweet maker called Tom Smith. That is literally the most British name you are ever gonna get. And he was inspired by bonbons because he'd gone to France in Paris. He saw the sweet bonbons, so he tried to create them in England, but somehow they weren't a success. So instead he decided to make Christmas crackers, which he then called Bangs of Expectations. And they made loads of different kind of Christmas crackers, from ones to women, to bachelors, to even people like suffragettes. They made different Christmas crackers for different people. So so that's kind of cool. If you don't have Christmas crackers where you are, maybe order some if you can't get them from anywhere else because they're a good bit of fun. We usually have them around the table, each person gets one on Christmas dinners and yeah it's really fun. And then everyone throughout the Christmas meal wears the paper crown on their head. The last bit of Christmas that I want to talk about are the colours and where we have this perception that this is a Christmas colour and where that comes from. So green comes from the evergreen trees, holly and ivy and mistletoe. Then red comes from the apples on the paradise tree in the Garden of Eden, holly berries and the blood of Christ. Gold comes from light. Also one of the three kings presents was gold and also the star that the three kings followed. And white is for snow and winter. Next up we have a sort of newer tradition and this is Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa was started in 1966 by Dr. Karanka for black people who lived away from Africa, mainly in America, to feel connected in a community and good about themselves. Kwanzaa actually means first harvest and it's sort of a celebration that thanks the harvest. It's also not a religious holiday so any person can celebrate it. It's more of a cultural holiday and it's celebrated the day after Christmas. In Kwanzaa, one of the main things is the Kenora, a candle holder that has seven candles and each candle represents one of the seven days of Kwanzaa and also one of the seven principles. 
The seven principles are, sorry about my pronunciation in advance, Umoja, which means unity, Kujichagalia, which means self-determination, Ujima, which means collective work and responsibility, Ujama, which means cooperative economics, Nia, which means purpose, Kumba, which means creativity, and Imani, which means faith. On the Kenora, there's the central candlestick, which is black, which represents the people. There are three red candlesticks, which represent blood, and three green candlesticks, which represent the earth and hard work. Kwanzaa was my favourite to research about, I think, because it just seems like a fun festival where people feel belonged and just happy, and there's great dancing, and there's food, and there's just lots of celebrating, and that's really nice. So the last celebration that I'll be talking about is Yule and other celebrations for the end of winter solstice. And in comparison to Kwanzaa, I think Yule's probably the oldest celebration on this because, yeah, it's the celebration of the end of the winter solstice, which is pretty big throughout the world. Even though many ancient cultures celebrated the winter solstice, Yule is from the old Nordic winter solstice. Um, one of the most famous things from it is the Yule Log, and even though we eat the chocolate cake version of the Yule Log now, the Yule Log originally was an entire tree log, so it was the full length of the tree, without the leaves and everything. So the largest part of the tree would be placed in the fire with the rest sticking out into the room. Bit of a fire hazard, these old people were living crazy lives not caring that their house might burn down but that's fine and then throughout the 12 days of christmas i don't really know what it was called before christianity but during those 12 days the log would slowly be pushed into the fire further and further and this would be used to keep the house warm for the rest of those 12 days and the 12th night marked the end of winter and the cool thing was was that the remnants of the last year's log would be used to light the new log on fire which is kind of cool and it's like a never-ending cycle another thing that we take from ancient winter solstice traditions is mistletoe we think the mistletoe was originally used by the ancient druids but they believed that it had mystical powers to bring good luck and ward off evil in norse mythology mistletoe was said to bring in love and friendship and Christians even tried to ban it in Western European churches because of these superstitious traditions. Only in 1784 did kissing under mistletoe become a thing because of an English musical. So that's it about all the wintry, Novembery, Decembery, why am I putting whys on the end of everything, traditions that I researched. So I guess we're on to facts of the day. So first up, I bet no one cares about this apart from me, but on November the 8th was International Pianist Day, so that's cool. I didn't know that. I'm a bit sad that I didn't do anything for it. Evergreen trees were used throughout loads of ancient civilizations, like ancient Egypt used evergreens and so did the Romans for winter solstice. Coca-Cola partially created Santa off of St. Nicholas with the illustrator Haddon Sundblom. It'd be nice if I could read my own handwriting. But yeah, 
so they created him with the red clothes and looking kind of like he's had a bit too many beers and looking very rosy and with the big fluffy white beard. Also, Jingle Bells was originally supposed to be a Thanksgiving song, not a Christmas song, which is kind of cool. And mistletoe in the Germanic language actually means dung on a stick. So I wouldn't go around Germany saying mistletoe. I mean, it makes sense though, because the berries on the stick. I'm not going to think about that. Let's just move on to podcast word mentions. I'm pretty sure I did this the wrong way around and I was supposed to do podcast worthy mentions before facts of the day, but oh well. Since this is the last podcast worthy mention of both the season and the year, I'm going to suggest that you all have a very lovely holiday, whatever you celebrate, and I hope you get to see family and friends and loved ones, even though it might just be virtually, but I hope you stay safe and yeah, you just have a great time. And thank you for sticking with me on this ride, it's been very crazy, I've done a lot of things during this year, even though I couldn't really do a lot of things as well, so it's been a bit weird. So yeah, I suggest that you all just have a great life and I'll see you again in the New Year's. But I have got a couple plugs to just link into here before we go. So if you want to find me throughout this Christmas period, because why not? I'm on Instagram at artsyjoey and I also have a YouTube channel called artsyjoey. I have a small business on Etsy. We just made 84 sales that's really crazy and 26 five star reviews it's called artsy joey co you can find me on etsy thank you so much if you bought something over this year it's really meant a lot I also have a Redbubble account at joey8412 but people don't really buy from it and I don't really update it that much. Oops. I think that's all the social medias that I actually use so I think that's it really. Honestly a bit off topic I'm a bit surprised that this podcast episode was only like 30 something minutes because I researched a lot of different celebrations and it only lasted like 30 something minutes which is kind of crazy but yeah since we're at the end of the podcast I'm wishing you a great holiday, a great Christmas if you celebrate it, and an even better New Year's. I hope we all do great in 2021 and let's send great vibes to 2021. I'm sure we're all gonna have a great year. I mean it can't really get worse but we said that about 2019 and I don't even know what we were complaining about. Thanks for sticking with me through 2020 and I will see you in 2021 with a new season that I'm really excited about. Yeah I'll see you then. Bye! Thank you.